Welcome in everyone, and this is the full 10 yards special bonus podcast for you. It wouldn't be me if I if I didn't do a, a podcast dedicated to Jason Garrett and the Dallas Cowboys, considering the news that there's been going on over the last couple of days. And joining me now, I am delighted to say that for the second time, I am joined by the one and only Patrick, that's no C Walker, a friend from across the pond, deep in with the guys over in Dallas. Patrick, uh, happy, happy new year to you, my friend, and how's 2020 treating you? Happy New Year to you, Tim. Uh, 2020 has been great thus far. 2019 was a fantastic year uh, for me. Unfortunately, not necessarily for the Cowboys, but we've got some big changes that we've seen happen here over the past few days. So things are looking up already for the team. Absolutely, yep. And if you want to get in contact with Patrick or any look at over some of his great work, you can go and find him on Twitter at Voice of the Star. Very much recommend you go and do that. But Patrick, obviously, you are pretty much in the loop when it comes to all things Dallas Cowboys. Obviously, since... Uh, the, the last time we spoke, um, yeah, big changes to you, obviously working with the big wigs over at CBS. How, how's that going for you? Are they uh, treating you okay? Oh, fantastic outfit over here at CBS Sports, uh, CBS Sports HQ and, and all of the subsidiary CBS Sports Radio. Uh, you know, it's to, to say that I'm a part of a fantastic team is a gross understatement. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, you know, brought me in and they've been nothing but gracious ever since. And uh, you look at some of the top names with this network, you know, whether it be uh, Tony Romo, Pete Prisco, Jason Lock and Ford, the list goes on and on. I'm just blessed to be a part of it and be able to contribute, uh, you know, to their success and, and keep things going in a, a positive direction. Uh, absolutely. I say I listen to uh, quite a lot of CBS podcasts as well. So, uh, yeah, very much uh, well in with uh, all the all the goings on there with, at CBS. But let's, uh, before we get into the kind of the crux of the Jason Garrett fallout, which obviously the, the kind of the shockwaves over the last 24 hours or so, just give us a, a quick 30 seconds on your on your thoughts on the Cowboys season and kind of what, or where, where it all went wrong. I know that's difficult to put into 30 seconds, but try and try and give it a go. Well, I think the primary issue with the Cowboys were was that they have a, they can't replicate success. They've not been able to do that over the tenure of Jason Garrett. He's been with the team for nine and a half years, if you count the interim tag placed upon him back in 2010 when they moved on from Wade Phillips. Uh, a lot of time and money and energy has been invested in making Jason Garrett a viable and successful NFL head coach. Now, he has been that at the regular season level, uh, 87 and 65, I believe, as a regular season head coach, but he's only 2-5 and five in the playoffs, not able to turn that corner uh, if you look at the last few seasons with jason garrett it's always been a roller coaster it's a, a season of ex, you know extreme success whether it be 13 and 3 with a, a first round bye, and then it's immediately followed by a down season where they're not able to do much now going into january the cowboys were prepared to offer him an extension but they were dismissed in the nfc divisional round at that point i can confirm the cowboys reached out to Sean Payton, a uh, longtime Saints head coach and formerly uh, quarterback coach and assistant head coach with the Cowboys. And that was via back channels to prevent tampering uh, rule violations. But they wanted to gauge the interest of Payton. Uh, but he was not interested. He used that to get a five-year extension with the Saints. Cowboys kept Garrett, said, hey, let's see if you can get things done, which would be at least the NFC championship game. They didn't get to the playoffs. Um, too many, too many things that just could not come together. Growing pains from Kellen Moore in his first year's offensive coordinator. Um, some injuries on the field, obviously, but things just never, 
glued themselves together for the Cowboys to get it done. So there was really no more scapegoats. Scott Linehan is gone. Uh, your dad, Des Bryant is gone. You went and got Jason Witten out of retirement. It still didn't work. Mm. So Garrett is out. No, absolutely. And like I say, he, he, he come into the season the last year of his contract. It's a, a tactic the Cowboys obviously previously used uh, with a bit, a bit of success. But I suppose uh, I put this question to you a couple of hours ago about, you know, if you had to sum up his tenure uh, as head coach of the uh, Dallas Cowboys in, in terms of a book title or film title, where, where, would, you, uh, where would you go with that? Uh, I would have to say devil's advocate. Uh, and, and the reason I say devil's advocate is this. If you look at the Cowboys in the tenure of Jason Garrett, um, the narrative is that he was an outright failure. Okay, well, I'll be devil's advocate. I'll be Al Pacino here. And I'll, I'll say that he was not an outright failure. He was good, but simply not good enough. Mm. Um, and now you could also apply devil's advocate to Jerry Jones uh, if you want to take it literally as far as the movie script goes, because Jerry Jones did really play Pacino and, and Jason Garrett was Keanu Reeves, mm. right? Because Jerry Jones uh, has been grooming Jason Garrett since the days of him backing up Troy Aikman in the early 90s. They allowed Garrett to sit in on uh, coaches' meetings. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, in the early 2000s, they brought him in. They paid him more than Wade Phillips as uh, the team's offensive coordinator to supplant, ultimately, Wade Phillips and, and ascend him to the role. So uh, if you look at how Pacino groomed and, and oversaw um, Keanu uh, since childhood and, and finally tried to put him in position to you know take over the world, so to speak, at the end of the day, Garrett could not take over the world uh, which is, you know, kind of equivalent to what happened in the climax of Devil's Advocate and that, you know, that's kind of where we are and the Cowboys are now ha- having to start all over again uh, with Mike McCarthy. Mm, that's very that's very good. That blows mine out of the water. I, I just went with the simple Fast and Furious because um, <laughs> <laughs> the Fast and Furious is you know, it's, it's Fast and Furious in, in Dallas. And well, the, which one? Was it well, Tokyo Drift? Or? Well, well, this is it. Well, well, yeah, with, the, with the Fast and Furious, you've got with each, each, sequel, each sequel, you've got the same products, slightly different people, but usually disappointing with a few super a few surprises so um, there we go yeah but you we'll go with yours yours is much better than mine so uh, yeah um so yeah obviously we got to we finally got to the junction where jason garrett is no longer uh, the head coach of the dallas cowboys but what's obviously the black monday it didn't happen then tuesday wednesday they're all meetings what can you maybe shed some insight or some light onto as to why it kind of it kind of dragged out a little bit well, absolutely. There is a lot going on behind the scenes, and, and uh, I'll, I'll characterize it as such. The Cowboys initially had the intentions of sending uh, Jason Garrett out gracefully with a lot of respect. If you look at uh, him being, whether it be backup quarterback in the early 90s, assistant coach, uh, or office coordinator, I should say, and then ultimately head coach, he's been affiliated with this organization for 20-plus years. And then his late father was also a longtime scout with the organization up to uh, 2004, all the way back to 1987, I want to say, two years prior to just, uh, Jerry Jones even taking ownership. So the two families have a very deep relationship. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, saying that, Jones had a lot of praise for him. He wants to set him up for success going forward. That was the initial thought. That was the idea. So they allowed Garrett to continue his exit interviews with players on Monday. That ran long, so some players had to come back on Tuesday to achieve theirs. That's why it stretched for that two or three day period from Monday through Wednesday. The problem was once Wednesday or Thursday rolled around, now the question became what in fact is the holdup? Now this is where things get a uh, very, very disconcerting within that as far as how the Cowboys handled this. I, I got uh, a message from a source on Friday morning that said Mike McCarthy was headed to Dallas to interview for the position. Well, here's the problem. Uh, there, it wasn't vacant 
yet. Yeah. Right. Um, so the interview was set to take place between McCarthy and the Cowboys on Saturday morning. And, and in fact, it did. Um, and it went so well that McCarthy opted to stay over in Dallas for a second interview on Sunday. Now, I, I'm not you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> no. He he didn't go to a hotel. He stayed at Jerry Jones's estate. So it was a sleepover. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was a literal sleepover. Now, while all of this is going on, Jason Garrett is lobbying to remain as head coach. Now, the expectation, as I long reported, was that the Cowboys would move on. But Jason Garrett was making his Hail Mary play. Uh, the problem is Jason Garrett's agent is also Mike McCarthy's agent. So Oof. while one client is trying to keep his job, the other client is negotiating to take that job and the same agent is handling both. <laughs> So this is that's how crazy that, that sounds now, like a netflix original doesn't it exactly now while all of this is going on they brought in marvin lewis um on a saturday interview as well and i was told at the time that the interview for marvin lewis was never uh, a head coaching vacancy interview at best it was a defensive coordinator um peak um and at worst it was a rooney rule satisfaction yeah. satisfaction um so lewis was especially considering lewis was insistent that he bring on hugh jackson that was never going to happen um <laughs> never ever ever so you know they went ahead with mccarthy on sunday uh and it was because of mccarthy that the announcement on garrett was finally made because if that interview i was told if that interview did not go well with mccarthy then it's entirely possible that this entire thing would still be ongoing until garrett's contract expired on the 14th so yeah. that's what happened behind the scenes and that's where we are right now absolutely and you say we transition now to the mike mccarthy era uh, obviously i'm a big fan of your work patrick so obviously I, I know about your your article you write about your six-step plan for the cowboys to turn things around with your step one being uh, swinging big for jason garrett's successor so my question to you patrick is is mike mccarthy a big enough swing for you he absolutely is uh in that same column uh it's on point number one, I named four specific NFL head coaches that would be big swings for me that the Cowboys had to absolutely reach out to, even if it was probably going to be a no. Number one was Bill Belichick. Very, very long shot. Number two was Sean Payton. Another long shot. But clearly, the relationship is there. The interest is still going to be there. Third on that list was Mike McCarthy ahead of Mike Zimmer because I don't know that the Vikings are going to make the mistake of releasing Mike Zimmer after this season, especially now that he's uh, he walked into New Orleans and upset the Saints. So I had four candidates listed. All they had to do was land one of those four. They did that. They did that uh, exactly. Check off step one. Now I'm interested to see if they can land steps two through six mm. uh, to make themselves contenders in 2020. Indeed. We'll, we'll, we'll mention a few of those a bit later on. But yeah, obviously one big thing about the Cowboys, if you ask a, a casual fan or anyone kind of involved in watching NFL, is about the involvement Jerry Jones has in terms of you know Cowboys, you know, day-to-day uh, -day goings is that a is that what is what stopping the Cowboys f from being successful and what, what were the kind of dynamics look like with Mike McCarthy at the helm and how would Jerry Jones act any, will he act any differently at all well I can attest to, to something that um that most won't believe because of the narrative that hangs around Jerry Jones as a legacy uh, a lot of people believe Jerry Jones rules the Cowboys with an iron fist that's actually not true mm. at all it was true at one point yeah. Um, but that was decades ago. Uh, if you look at the past 10 years or more, I can tell you definitively that Jerry Jones has begun taking his hand off of the wheel more so uh, as the years go on. He's given a ton of power to his son, team executive Stephen Jones, yeah. as well as, uh, you know, scouting 
uh, guru, Will McClay, which is uh, the de facto general manager, just without the title. And then, of course, the other sphere, uh, those in his sphere of influence. So the book will always stop with Jerry Jones as long as he walks this earth. However, it's not... You know, a Kim Jong situation where he's just <laughs> dictator and everybody has to shut up and do what he says. Now, the interesting question is because of Mike McCarthy's personality, a lot of people are wondering how is his personality going to jive with Jerry Jones? Well, again, if you take the preface that I just said in that Jerry Jones is not nearly as uh, cumbersome in the process of running the Cowboys as people think, Mike McCarthy comes in and I'm being told that he's going to be given, for the most part, carte blanche to build his coaching staff now there are a couple of people that the cowboys would absolutely like to retain one being kellen moore the good news is mike mccarthy does like kellen moore and indications are Moore will be brought back to the cowboys if he decides to obviously he has a decision to make between remaining with the cowboys now and potentially going to uh back to the college ranks to run his own program i think he'll remain with the cowboys but we'll see how that goes mm. but the cowboys and mccarthy want more uh, they still have some other individuals under contract. Wide receivers coach Sanjay Lau, he's under contract. Uh, offensive line coach Mark Colombo. These are the handful, less than a handful, that the Cowboys would like to have back. However, Mike McCarthy and now uh, Mike Nolan, who he's bringing in from New Orleans, they're going to have power to form their staff. That is a huge indication that Jerry Jones is not going to be in the way, so to speak, yep. when it comes to what Mike McCarthy needs. Mm. I'll say this um, because it, it holds a whole lot of weight that people need to hear. Mm. As much as the Cowboys were interviewing Mike McCarthy, he was interviewing the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, He wanted to make sure that he was going to be in a position where he got to build his staff, he got to build his, bring in his scheme, and he got to do things his way. Uh, and he will be able to do that but, of course, if you're wondering if Jerry Jones is ever going to completely take his hand out of the pot, no, that's not going to happen. But it's not going to be a situation where um, McCarthy will ever be able to be viewed as a puppet over his uh, next five years with the Cowboys if he lasts that long. Mm, absolutely, yeah. And there's some videos flying about, obviously, what Mike McCarthy's been doing during his, his year hiatus about having getting some people around and going through analytics and keeping abreast of all things NFL. So I thought that was quite interesting to be interesting to see what he comes out with um, as he you know, steps onto the field or steps onto the sideline for the first game in preseason and, and, of course, the regular season as well. So, yeah, if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, I suppose it's uh, time to get a bit more excited. Um, and, well, say, is it every everyone's at zero and zero. Everyone's a Super Bowl contender first day of the season. So. <laughs> Right. <laughs> we, we, we shall see. Um, okay, let's move on to, before we let you go, Patrick, obviously your your six-step plan does uh, include about Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper and Byron Jones. Do you just maybe want to talk about, so obviously the, the, both of those players, Dak and Amari Cooper, are out, well, not out of contract, but they're you know, looking to, you know, something's going to happen to them guys uh, in the off-season. How, how, do you think, how do you think these would play out? Well, primarily I, I can tell you that there is a full-on commitment to make sure that Dak Prescott is in tow in 2020. So he's not going anywhere. The Cowboys are going to revisit and try to work out an extension. They tried several times in 2019 unsuccessfully. Prescott wanted to play the market. Check. That worked in his favor. He wanted to bet big on himself. For the most part, that also worked in his favor. He was playing at an MVP caliber click for 50 to 75 percent of the season before things started to kind of go south. And then he sprained the AC joint in the shoulder. But he, he put enough on tape. Uh, to justify 
uh, a historic contract from the Cowboys. So they're going to try to get that worked out. And if they can't, they're going to franchise tag him. Now, because this is the final year of the CBA, they also have the transition tag they can use as well. That's where Mark Cooper comes into play. The Cowboys are going to revisit talks with him. Uh, they stalled in the summer and they hadn't picked up any steam until now. I think in the next few weeks, they're going to revisit with him and try to get that done. If they can't, they're going to put a tag on him. Now, that'll probably be the transition tag, um, which will allow him to negotiate with other teams and gives Cowboys right to first refusal. But I don't think Amari Cooper is going anywhere. He wants to stay here in Dallas. Cowboys want him here in Dallas. All indications are they both will be together in 2020. Byron Jones, that's where things get interesting. One of my steps in the six-step plan is to retain Byron Jones. How you do that is going to be determined by if you need to franchise tag Amari Cooper and if you need to transition tag, uh, I'm sorry, franchise tag Dak Prescott and transition tag Amari Cooper. If you have one of those tags still free, then that helps you retain Byron Jones in the event you can't get a deal done. I think they'll be able to get a deal done with Byron Jones around $12.5, $13 million a year. Like Cooper, like uh, Prescott, Jones loves Dallas to death. Does not want to leave. The Cowboys love Byron Jones. They know what he can do. Does he need to uh, improve upon his interceptions? Yes. But he's proven himself as one of the best shutdown corners in the league. Best talent here at cornerback since Terrence Newman. Can't let that guy walk out of the door. Mm. So I think those top three will remain. Um, and then the Cowboys just need to work on satellite talent uh, after that. Yep. NFL draft, free agency. Yeah, I mean, we'll touch on the draft just before we get you out of here. But yeah, with regards to Amari Cooper, Patrick, I want to get your thoughts. Obviously, Michael Gallup had a stellar season uh, this season. Do, do, do Is there absolutely any chance at all that Mike McCarthy and all the rest of them kind of look at what Mike, uh, Michael Gallup did this year and say, you know, we, we kind of roll with him and, and, sorry, and say, sorry, Amari, you're, you're too expensive? I don't think that's going to be a situation that, that plays out because the Cowboys... Uh, if you look at Mike McCarthy, he he's coming into a very attractive situation, not just talent wise, but uh, the potential to acquire and retain talent. This team has upwards of a hundred million dollars in salary cap space going into the 2020 season. That means even if they applied the franchise tag to one player and the transition tag to another, that still leaves roughly about 55, 60 million dollars in salary cap space. Um that gives you the ability to build the team, but also retain your cornerstone players. You talk about Michael Gallup, as I predicted in the offseason, he'd have a breakout uh, season. And he did uh, over a thousand yards for the first time in his you know, young season. But Mike McCarthy understands from his time with the Packers how important it is to have weapons around your young quarterback. He was integral in not only developing Aaron Rodgers but also making sure that Aaron Rodgers had top talent to throw to. You look at a tandem like Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, I don't think people should be looking at it in, in the light of, well, we have a Michael Gallup who's shown he can put up 1,000 yards. We don't need Amari Cooper. I think they should look at it as you have two 1,000-yard receivers, which makes it impossible to double-team one or the other or shade safety help in one direction or the other. One hand feeds, one hand washes the other mm -hmm. in that situation. You got the money to keep Amari Cooper, keep him. And I think that's where Mike McCarthy is going to be right now. I don't think he's pressed to let Amari Cooper go anywhere. No, absolutely not. Cooper obviously coming off season highs, eight touchdowns, 1,189 yards. As exactly. Well. So, there we, so there we go. Yeah. Okay, right. Um, so talking of the draft then, quick 30 seconds, uh, Patrick, on where, where would you like to see uh, Mike McCarthy and Dallas Cowboys attack in the draft? Obviously, um, you know, safety Jeff Heath, 
Um, he, you know, he, he could do with up, upgrades uh, from you know, Van der Esch at linebacker has a, has injury troubles, and Sean Lee is not what nearly hundred years old now. Um, and also, <laughs> and, <laughs> I, I, I say that I say that um, as, as, as with you know, I, I'm a big fan of Sean Lee. Just being a big cheeky, yeah. That's he, he had he's coming off a solid year though, but he you're is. right, he's he's growing long in the tooth as far as um, uh, being realistic and saying we know Sean Lee's not going to play five more years in the NFL. Absolutely. That's just realistic. Yeah. Um, so approaching the draft, the Cowboys on the offensive side of the ball, not really a concern there because you have the weapons. You retain Cooper uh, as that offensive line can remain healthy. Uh, you still got uh, Ezekiel Elliott, two-time NFL rushing champ, 1,300 yards, eight touchdowns uh, last season. Uh, Dak Prescott had the best uh, season of his career. Uh, you know, you got Tony Pollard to help spelled uh, Zeke and, and kind of mixed things up in the backfield. So offensively, I think you're fine going into the draft. Defensively, though, you got you got some needs. We talked about safety. One of the plans, one of the points in my plan were to trade or to try again to trade for Jamal Adams. They tried to trade for Earl Thomas. It didn't work. They talked to Earl Thomas in free agency. He wanted too much money. They smartly let him walk. It was time to, you know, try for Jamal Adams. They did. The Jets tried to fleece them. They walked away. Many thought that was the end of the conversation between um, potentially bringing Adams to Dallas. It is not. The Cowboys are, in fact, going to try again this offseason to trade for Jamal Adams. If they cannot land him, you have to draft the safety um, in the, you know, when April rolls around because Jeff Heath, whom they have had a lot of love for. He is, in fact, a free agent. But even if he were not a free agent, uh, Jason Garrett is no longer there to kind of prop up the value of Jeff Heath. Um, So you're going to lose that. But in in potentially losing Jeff Heath, not only are you losing a safety and you need to bring in a top starter impact safety at the draft, you're going to sliding away, sliding to the special team side of it. You need a returner. You, you want to believe Tony Pollard can be the returner that he was when he was dominating the Mountain West. You want to believe it. And it's possible that he most definitely can be. And I mentioned on Twitter midseason, I believe, that I believe he can be, but it feels like he hasn't figured out the speed of the NFL just yet. Mm-hmm. I think he thought that everyone would be as not quick as they were in the Mountain West. He found out the hard way that those gunners on special teams have speed too. Mm. Um, So I think he'll be better in year two as a returner, um, but I can't guarantee that. Well, I should say I don't feel confident enough in that that I would ignore uh, potentially using a day two pick on a speedy wide out that you know definitively can be a kick and punt return threat to help bolster a special teams unit that was wholly disappointing for the Cowboys in 2019 and even 2018. The last time they had a dynamic returner was Dwayne Harris. Mm. That's half a decade ago. Um, So offensively, I think they're fine as far as the draft is concerned, as long as they retain Amari Cooper, which I believe they will. Um, Defensively, give me a big body nose tackle. Antoine Woods is coming off of a contract year. They need to figure out what they're going to do with him. But even if they retain him, uh, Tristan Hill, you know, he showed some flashes, but he was inactive for most of the season. Malik Collins is no longer under contract. You got to figure out that 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 interior on the defense. Mm-hmm. Linebackers, I think, will be fine. I, I'm not getting any indications the team has concerns over LVE's future, so I think he'll be fine. Jalen Smith, I think he bounces back. Your linebacker core should be solid. Maybe if you really want to bolster it, because you still have you have Sean Lee, he's aging out. Joe Thomas is solid, but he'll age out soon. Use a day two, late day two pick on a linebacker. Mm. I don't think it's a, a first round situation. Yeah. Safety, though, 
if you cannot land Jamal Adams, I wholly expect your first round pick to be a safety. That's going to be a real testament to McCarthy's new era. Is he going to finally be the one to convince the Cowboys the safety position is much more valuable than they think? Mm. Yeah, certainly interesting indeed. And obviously, the Cowboys enjoying a first-round pick this season after not obviously picking in the first round last season. So it gives me a reason to stay up late uh, come April. So yeah, that's great. That's great for us over here in the UK. Um, Patrick, going to get you out on this. Obviously, the NFC East, uh, the, the landscape has changed dramatically over the last couple of weeks. Ron Rivera over at the Skins, and as we obviously as we as we speak now, an hour, an hour removed from Joe Judge being um, hired as the <laughs> as the head coach for the Giants. Um, interesting mm. times. Very interesting times in the NFC East. Um, I, I will say this. The Cowboys, I, I definitely approve of their hire with Mike McCarthy, as we discussed. The Redskins definitely approve of their hire with Ron Rivera. I think the Redskins can be, they have the potential to be dangerous to bring in Jack Rio as the defensive coordinator. Uh, I think more snaps for Dwayne Haskins will lead to an improvement. Uh, if Darius Geis can remain healthy, I think that the Redskins can challenge as early as 2020 yep. for the NFC crown. I think the Eagles are going to bounce back. I think that it'll always be an issue between the Eagles and the Cowboys kind of racing it out for, for front runner. But then you got the Giants, Joe Judge. <laughs> <laughs> you, you fire Pat Shermer after two years, which was justifiable because he wasn't doing anything. But then you retain David Gettleman. Yeah. And in retaining Gettleman, you just lost Matt Rule to Carolina. Yep. And once you lose him, you then uh, pass on Josh McDaniels to bring in another Patriots assistant, yep. but it's one who's only been there for a year, and he's the wide receivers coach in Joe Judge. And only one other opportunity was available for Joe Judge to consider, and it wasn't an NFL opportunity. It was Mississippi State. Yep. So the Giants were up against Mississippi State. That, <laughs> that, that tells you. Tough decision. Uh, and, Tough decision, right? <laughs> but that, that tells you that there was not demand out there for a guy like Judge. And maybe Judge comes in for New York and, and shocks the world. But the likelihood of that um, in a division that now has Rivera, that now has McCarthy, and now it also has Doug Peterson, the Super Bowl winning uh, head coach, good luck with that. Mm -hmm. So right now, for me, as we have this conversation in January, it's three-horse race for the NFC East and the Giants are not in it. No, totally agree with that. Certainly, be interesting to see obviously some some characters at the head coaching position now in the NFC East as well. So, um, lots to look forward to in 2020. But Patrick, really appreciate you coming on and shedding light on the Dallas Cowboys, Jason Garrett situation. Um, big fan of your work, and as I say, I'll continue to to read all your good stuff over at CBS. Um, and to say, wish you all the best uh, for the rest of the year. Oh, it's fun as always, Tim. Uh, reach out whenever you need. I uh, love talking to you and uh, definitely love my followers and Cowboys fans all over the world, especially in the UK. So uh, we'll see how 2020 goes, but it's off to a good start. Yeah, and don't forget, if you, if you want to get in touch or follow Patrick on Twitter, at Voice of the Star is where you can get him and all his good work. Big thank you to Patrick there for giving some of his time to shed some light on the Dallas Cowboys. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I know I certainly did always enjoy talking to some of America's team. But that's going to do it. Until next time, the great words of Kevin Cadle. It's bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards or email the show, full10yards at gmail.com.